Ephesians chapter 1. Yes, we're still in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're still in the longest sentence in the Bible, Ephesians 1. And uh, we've been looking at verses 1 through 14, or at least heading that way. And we want to do that this afternoon, maybe finish this uh, long sentence. And uh, this afternoon, we want to look at regarding your reward. Now, for several Sundays, we've been moving through... uh, Am I on? Yeah, you got me? Okay. Uh, Moving through Paul's astounding uh, song of praise uh, to God... Uh, We want to just take a moment here and review the truths that Paul's been sharing with us. Uh, In verses 1 and 2, we looked at uh, recognizing your righteousness. We're not to do this in a proud or boastful way, uh, but we're to humbly recognize that we're saints. Uh, We are holy and righteous in God's sight. Uh, You may say, I don't feel like a saint. Uh, Sometimes I don't live like a saint. But as a believer, that's what God calls you. You are a saint. You're a saint within uh, the family of God. It doesn't take uh, dying and some organization to vote on you to say, oh, we're going to make him a saint. No, God makes us a saint when we get saved. And uh, so, again, we're not boasting about this. We're just thanking God and praising God for this this, uh, uh, place of righteousness. In verse 3, we... uh, looked at uh, relying on your resources. And uh, we uh, are reminded that God is good. God's goodness translates into his blessings upon our lives. Uh, He demonstrates his blessings upon us by showering us with his blessing. Uh, Among those blessings is God's work of salvation. Uh, He made us to be a part of his redemptive plan. Uh, And this results uh, in us being adopted into God's family as sons and daughters and in having our lives changed by his power. And then in our being accepted in the beloved, accepted by God. That's a very good reason, a very valid reason for praising God. In verses 4 through 6, we looked at resting in your relationship. Uh, We are in Christ And that's a very important phrase throughout the book of Ephesians. In Christ. Uh, That should cause great peace and keep us from wondering if we're one of the elect, so to speak. You know, people are worried about that sometimes. But that's a a false teaching. Uh, But we have great peace because we are in Christ. Uh, In verses 7 through 10, we looked at a couple of Sundays. We spent looking at rejoicing in your redemption. Uh, Paul praises God for his redemption, and he reminds us that God sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this world to redeem us from our sins, and through his precious blood we're redeemed by the grace and, uh, of God, we're forgiven of all of our sins, and God in his great grace opened our eyes to our lost condition. Uh, he made us aware of what Christ did for us as he died for us on the cross, and he saved us by his amazing grace. Uh, And to top it all off, God did everything I just mentioned and more because it brought him great pleasure. It brought him glory. Uh, That's another valid reason. But then looking at verses 11 through 14, the last part of this long sentence, Paul tells us here 
in verse 11, in whom we have also, also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And we're looking here at regarding our reward Uh, In these verses, Paul is turning his attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In these verses, we not only see as God provided a way of salvation, revealed that plan to us, uh, we also see that God has opened the treasure houses of heaven and he shares everything he possesses with his redeemed people. And so we're considering regarding our reward. That is taking notice, looking at uh, with high esteem, what God has provided for us. Now, when I say reward, I don't mean in the sense that we earned it or that we deserve it. It's not something that we earn or deserve, but it was provided for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the reward of our inheritance in Christ. And we'll see this wonderful inheritance being revealed to us here and spend a few moments looking at it. So uh, we'll regard our reward. Notice, first of all, the purpose of our inheritance, the purpose of our inheritance. Now, I realize the word inheritance is not mentioned until verse 11 here, and then again in verse 14, but I want to go back to verses 8 through 10 and kind of pick up a word here, and that's the word purposed uh, we find in verse 9. Let's go back and look at verse 8 again. Verse 8 says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather in, together in one all things in Christ, whom are both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Now, if you want to know what God is up to, there it is. You see, God's purpose centers in on Christ, but it includes us. Why were we chosen in Him before the foundation of the world? Why were we predestined to the adoption of sons? Why were, have we been made accepted in the Beloved? Why was the blood of Jesus Christ shed for our sins? Why, 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 why? Sound like a little two-year-old, don't I? Why, Daddy? Why did this happen? Why? Uh, you know, little children always asking why. Well, we ask that question here. Why is God uh, working on a purpose? And, the, and we need to know that that purpose is to bring together everything. Because we see, and we look around, it's not hard to see this. Our world is living in discord. You don't have to look very far to see the discord in our world today. Um, we live in a world of tension. Uh, we live in a world of frustration. We live uh, in a world of pain. We live in a world that's at war with itself. But one of these days, God's purpose is going to be finished. And what is his purpose? Look again at verse 10. That in the dispensation, dispensation of times, or dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. You see, 
one day everything's going to be in tune with Jesus Christ. And so everything is going to come together and harmonize. You know, if I were to take a tuning fork and start it vibrating and tune the organ and the tuning fork to the tuning fork and tune the piano to the tuning fork, then we'd say the organ and the piano are in tune with one another. Uh, And that's what's going to happen someday, that Jesus is going to bring everything in tune with Jesus Christ. Uh, Everything's going to be in tune with everything else. Heaven and earth are going to be in harmony. Man and God are going to be in harmony. The spiritual and the material are going to be in harmony. The animals and the humans are going to be in harmony. Men will be in harmony with one another. Our uh, own bodies will be in harmony. Everything will be gathered together in Jesus Christ. And we're going to know life as God meant it to be. And God is working toward that purpose. Uh, All is going to be in Christ, and Christ is going to be in all, and all will be brought into harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. That is His purpose. That's His goal. That should be our goal. That's where we're heading. Now, God has enlightened us. He's made us aware of these things through His Word. He helps us to know this. Uh, There's no way you can figure that out on your own. Uh, No rationalist or philosopher could understand that, but thank God we've been enlightened by the Spirit of God. We don't have to be in the dark. God has a purpose for our lives. He's got a goal, and we have some people today who call themselves existentialists. You know what an existentialist is? It's a big word that means nothing makes sense. (laughs) And nothing makes sense, and that's what they say. You know, nothing makes sense. We can't figure it out. Well, God's got it figured out, and you and I can figure it out through His Word. Uh, People don't understand what it's all about. Well, thank God we can know what it's all about. We can be enlightened by the Word of God, and we can know what God is up to. You know, one day, everything is going to be brought into oneness with the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth are going to be brought together. And I think it's wonderful to be a part of that plan. And to know that purpose. So we've looked at the purpose of our inheritance. Now let's look at the portion of our inheritance. We've talked about the purpose, but we're not finished yet. And it's no wonder Paul couldn't stop here. He kept going and going and going. Uh, He goes on to talk about our portion, our provision, uh, whichever you wish. And so it's in verse 11 and 12, you find the portion of our inheritance, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And here's where we come to that word, inheritance. We've been enriched, we've been enlightened, and, uh, but this is a, a tremendous principle here, this is a premen- uh, tremendous provision is our portion, the inheritance. And we ought to be interested in the inheritance. If you had a rich uncle or a rich aunt, or somebody that was uh, in your family, and wouldn't you want to know if they included you in his or her will? Uh, My wife had an uncle, Alfred. And uh, we heard that he was very well-to-do. And whenever we were kind of short on money, we would say, well, uh, I wonder if Uncle Alfred's about ready to die. (laughs) And then one day we uh, were out looking at the gravestones and 
her, where her family, most of her family's buried, and we found Uncle Albert was already there. <laughs> and we said, well, I guess uh, we, were, we weren't going to get his money because it's already probably gone. But, you know, if you had somebody that was very well-to-do, wouldn't you want to know that you were uh, in their will? Well, don't you realize that the Bible is God's will? Uh, it's God's last will and testament. The New Testament is God's promise to us, and the Holy Spirit is the lawyer who comes to help us understand what we have. Isn't that wonderful? And it's signed. It's attested to. You know how it's signed? It's signed in blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. And you have inheritance that's unbreakable, that's undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says. Listen, that ought to get us excited. If you're not excited, you must not be saved. That's all I can say. And if you're not saved, you need to get saved. Now, if you're not, you say you're saved, but you're not excited, well, you've got calluses on your soul. Listen. Here's something to get excited about. There is an inheritance. Now you say, well, it doesn't seem like much. Oh, wait, wait till you, <laughs> wait till we get there. You know? You say, well, I'm not doing too well. Well, maybe you haven't appropriated your inheritance. Maybe you haven't understood what you have in Christ Jesus. But your inheritance has three parts. First, there's the initial pledge. The initial pledge, that we find down in verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance. God has given to us the earnest of the Spirit. When we became His heirs, He gave us the initial pledge. That is, He put His Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our lives. And that was just the down payment. So there's the initial pledge. Secondly, there's the daily supply. The second part of the inheritance is the daily supply. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a daily supply. You see, we are, our inheritance, we're already enjoying our inheritance now. We don't have to wait till heaven. Now, it's going to be great when we get there, but it, we can enjoy it now in the daily supply. Suppose there was a, a little five or ten year old boy who received an inheritance of twenty million dollars. Let's just say a boy uh, received an inheritance of twenty million dollars. You think they would turn the whole twenty million over to him right away? Would you turn twenty million dollars over to a little five or ten year old boy? I wouldn't. Of course not. But it's his. But they'd probably wait until he was grown up, but became a man. To take it over, they'd probably buy him a new bike. Say, that's a down payment, okay? There's more. Uh, They'd give him food and clothing. That's the daily supply. And uh, one day, though, he's going to be a man, and one day he's going to receive the full adoption. And that's, uh, that's the third part of this inheritance, the full adoption. Listen, one of these days, we're going to be able to handle, uh, when we're able to handle, uh, then we'll receive the full adoption. Uh, and we'll get it all. Do you know why most of us don't have any more than we have? 
we've got just about what God can trust us with, maybe. Hmm? You know, uh, we have, uh, you can't trust a 10-year-old boy with $20 million. But one day, when we've been made like Christ, when we receive the adoption, when we've been placed as sons, then we're going to receive it all. And I know this word adoption may uh, bother sometimes uh, people. And they say, you might say, well, no, wait a minute. I, am I born into the family of God or adopted into the family of God? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, you're both born and adopted. Spiritually, you're born into the family of God. Legally, you've been adopted into the family of God. And you have to understand the situation in the days in which this was written, in the olden days. In olden times, a man might even have many wives. Now, they practiced polygamy, though it was not God's plan. God allowed it. But here's a man who might have a son by a slave woman uh, who would be, one of his, uh, would be one of his wives and a slave at the same time. And that son would not be one of his legal heirs. He would have, to, uh, he would have his father's nature. Uh, he would not have his father's inheritance. But then sometimes the father would look at one of these sons and say, Son, I'm choosing you. And so he would choose his son. He carries him down to the city gates and they would have a formal ceremony where he would be adopted into the family. Not only is he born into the family, but he's adopted into the family. And so spiritually, we are born into the family of God, but God our Father has fathered us and we have his very nature within us but then also legally, he has adopted us and given us the full placing as a son. But that full placing comes when we get our glorified bodies. So the full adoption isn't quite there yet. It's when we get our glorified body. We have an inheritance. There's a down payment. There's a daily supply. And glory to God, one day when Jesus comes, there's going to be adoption, a full adoption, that is the redemption of our bodies, and we're going to be made complete. And so that's our portion. That's the portion of our inheritance. Thirdly, then, there's the protection of your inheritance. Now we're going to move on and think about our protection. Verse 13 uh, tells us that we have been sealed. And it gets better yet. And no wonder Paul couldn't quit. Paul says, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. Nobody is ever saved without hearing the word of truth. Romans 10 says, How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? How important it is to preach the word of God that people can hear the word of God so they can believe the word of God, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believe, then what happened? Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now that is our protection. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now when we talk about a seal... Uh, some of the kids uh, might think uh, of an animal that balances uh, a ball on his head or a nose, you know. That's a seal, right? Uh, kids might think that, but that's not the kind of seal that Paul was talking about. 
Uh, if you're uh, one of the ladies here, you might think about a mason canning jar, and you're thinking about a seal that goes inside that to seal up that canning jar that you can that, uh, those vegetables in. Uh, the men here might be thinking about uh, a seal that keeps the oil from leaking out of your transmission. That's not the seal we're talking about either. The seal that Paul is talking about is referring to a legal stamp that has been put on a document. And what that legal stamp is to the document, the Holy Spirit is to the believer. The minute I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, God sealed me with the Holy Spirit. Now, a seal is stood for three things. First, it stood for a finished transaction. Then it stands for ownership. And then it stands for security. Those are the three things the seal of the Holy Spirit stands for. Now, this is a seal that cannot be broken. If we were going, going to go back to the book of Esther, a wonderful study in the book of Esther. We've done it here at one time or another. Uh, but if you would go back, you'd know what I'm talking about when I talk about a seal there. You see, every king in this time had a ring. And on that ring was his seal. It was a carved an insignia that represented his seal. And when the king would take a, make a document, he would melt some Wax, and then he would press the seal down into the, do the uh, melted wax. And in Esther eight eight, it says this: Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Now you remember that Esther received permission from King Ahasuerus that the Jews would be protected. And so, praise God, when you believe, you are sealed by the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is talking about an earthly king, King Ahasuerus. And it's possible, of course, that some other king would have been mightier than that king. But I want to uh, ask you, who is mightier than the King of kings and the Lord of lords? There is no greater king. And so after ye believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. A transaction was completed. Ownership was put in place. We belong to him. And his seal, his mark, his insignia is upon us. That's protection. So that's the protection of our inheritance. And then notice, fourthly, the perfection of your inheritance. Isn't it great to be signed, sealed, and delivered? As we would say, that's what's happened, and that's the wonderful salvation we have. But the next thing, the last thing we see is our protection, not only our protection, but our perfection. Our security is in our perfection. Notice verse 14 again. Verse 14 says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Here the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. That is the Holy Spirit at one time, our seal, and also our down payment, our security, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You know, when a man would buy a piece of property, not only was a transaction sealed, but he gave a down payment. You see, when a person gives a down payment, 
That means he's serious. He says, I mean business. And our redemption, though it was, has been paid in full, we've been purchased at Calvary. The Lord Jesus has not redeemed what he purchased in the sense of now really picking it up and making it all that it's going, he's going to make it. There's still more to come. But he has given us the down payment. He paid the price with his own blood. Uh, we've already seen this. And, and now after he's paid the price to purchase us, then he gives us the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a down payment. And it's interesting, this word earnest, it's a word where we get our term earnest money. So if you're going to buy a piece of property, most likely you're going to have to put some money down. That's called earnest money. Uh, and it shows that you're in earnest. You're sincere about it. Now this is a very similar area uh, or idea to an engagement ring. When a man says to a woman, and I said that on purpose, okay. When a man says to a woman, I hope you get that, I want to marry you. He gives her an engagement ring. God the Father has given us an engagement ring, and the only difference is that he's not going to change his mind. I know young people sometimes change their mind. But God's not going to change his mind. He gives you the ring. He's, it's it's all, as well as done. He's not going to ask for it back. And one day we're going to hear the shout, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And the wedding ring, the pledge, the earnest, the down payment, the security is the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that speaks of our perfection. Because one day it's going to happen. Uh, He is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, listen, God has blessed us in Christ Jesus. He has opened the vaults of heaven and given us greater riches in Jesus than we can ever imagine. And we should praise him for that Wonderful work. Maybe there's some here today who understand uh, some of what they possess in Jesus. Well, you should be thanking God for what you have. And you should get up and serve Him. One day you'll have to give an account for taking the gifts of God for granted in your life. Now, there are others who are just beginning to understand what they have, perhaps. Uh, Maybe you're younger in the Lord. And you should bow before him and thank him and then rise up and, sh- and serve him as well. Being blessed by the Lord brings responsibility. There are some who maybe have never trusted Jesus Christ. You need to come to Jesus. Uh, you've heard the gospel. Now it's time to believe and be saved from your sins. And so we need to praise God for his grace and his gifts that he gives us in Jesus Christ. He's a wonderful Lord and he's worthy of our gratitude. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you.